Hi and welcome to Insert Sound, a podcast about me trying to become a better sound recordist, experimenting, being conceptual, uh, just trying to get better and break free creatively. With that said, let's jump into the episode, which in this case is a troubled one, but of great importance. It comes from a place of personal turmoil and questions of self. The uncertainty of right and wrong in the grey sky of life and love tends to lack answers of clarity from within, and the parting of the clouds with a ray of light shining upon the core of the problem is rare, in my case. I know this is all very dramatic sounding, but so is living sometimes, and the biggest enemy threatening one's happiness might just be the drama within. So, I decided to go looking for answers in the wind, in the woods, on a stormy afternoon. Such a mystical goal is not a sign or representation of how I approach problems in my personal everyday life. I've never consulted spirits, tarot cards, or psychics for answers. Nor was I looking for answers when I chose to read the New Testament over breakfast during the last few days, picking up from where I left years ago, scribbles on the side, underlining passages that mostly distance me from religion. But... What I did find interesting is the element of answers hiding in plain sight, in people's actions and in nature, pointed out by Jesus, often frustrated at the lack of understanding among his disciples. And with the idea of signs to be read or heard from nature, found in most cultures to varying degrees, I headed out to search. The sky was white and the wind was strong. Twelve ravens hovered, almost static in the air, one occasionally dropping down towards the ground. Even though ravens are among the most revered animals in human mysticism, the sacred animal of Apollo, the eyes and ears of Odin, carriers of information, while also being devious tricksters, solvers of problems, I just kept driving. I headed to a forest outside of town, to a place I had no connection to, a choice that somehow felt right, free of prior experiences. Three horses with humans on their backs were trotting along the road as I passed the red hills, broken mounds of red airy rocks called Skoria, past the lake and into the area known as Hilmerk, which, for the small but growing city of Reykjavik, was a distant dream of intellectuals and artists in the late 19th century. At that time, the city was little more than a town with less than 10,000 inhabitants, and only a handful of those had the means and time to take long walks or ride horses to the surrounding countryside. It was in 1950 that the idea of a forested retreat for the inhabitants of the city became a reality, when certain areas were fenced off from grazing sheep and individuals and organizations volunteered to plant trees that now make up the 3,200 hectares within it. The name Hedmark means bright or clear forest, I parked the car at the edge of a small, dark forest on a dark, stormy March afternoon under a large electric line where the road takes a turn. And right there, I got my first sign. Insert sound. A low tree, more like a shrub, its branches rubbing against each other. 
I know it doesn't take a lot to pull up that sort of symbolism. Growing close together, side by side, and then, perhaps, winds of discontent lead to friction. I immediately thought of my dear friend Eiklo, who taught me a lot about a lot of things. She described being together, in love, as a process not unlike two rocks scraping together, smoothing out the rough edges. It takes time and patience, and it can hurt. Eglo passed away in 2009, having had eight kids, and a marriage with her best friend Sveinbjörn since 1952. It's important to have people that can and are willing to give you honest advice and wisdom in life. But now I was looking to nature for possible answers in the wind, however mystical that sounds, and so I headed into the woods. The wind was howling, but between the trees, snow drifted down slowly, almost floating static in the air, like those little white things in Stranger Things, minus any demagogues. The wind, passing over the millions of pine needles at the top of the trees, made sounds that I could not decipher. Symbolism failed, and I felt as lost as before, repeating internal dialogue with no answers in sight. I lack the quoting power of Jesus, for sure, and I cannot calm the storm. Nor do I punish trees with death, for that matter, if they don't offer what I need when I need it, like when Jesus cursed the fig tree with no figs even if it was out of season. Though my idea of looking for answers in the wind came indirectly from having been reading the New Testament over breakfast, my search was purely symbolic in a personal nature. The little grove I found myself in offered shelter. The trees on the outside of the wood took the hit of the wind, while the sound seemed mainly to come from above. What is my shelter? In life? In love? In me? I was surrounded by trees in that little grove, but was not inside the denser part of forest. Perhaps there was something there. Finland, the Russian taiga, Sweden, Washington State, these are homes of forests. In Iceland, we abuse the word, referring to little patches of planted trees, little stamps, the legacy of an ambitious generation of independence fighters with only pine and birch seeds and some horseshit as weapons against the colonial king of Denmark. So, there's no native symbolic connection to the woods, no Icelandic version of Finnish Sami shamans, no Native American sweat lodges. Inside, on the soft moss-covered forest floor, branches lay scattered and broken. I put the microphone in a scenic spot, next to a mangled but mystically-looking birch tree surrounded by large coniferous trees. The wind kept blowing, but I didn't hear answers. And that's when I realized I was missing a question. I had the wind, I had the trees, the shelter, the broken branches, the broken thoughts, but no defined question. I had to look for the question, as my internal dialogue had led me in circles for the last 24 hours with no answers. 
The sound of a family came from outside the forest, interfering with my recording. The interference of a young family enjoying a good time in nature in the midst of the largest health crisis the world has seen for decades, sharing joy, being together, all of that an interference to my solitary quest for answers about how to be with others. As I repositioned the microphone, the Rode Antiforest stereo mic, I looked down and had a shock. At the edge of one of the three mic stand feet, on the ground, was the jawbone of what I assumed was a fox. I couldn't believe it. Was there an answer here? A clue? A sign? Was this some ancient heathen witchcraft, or perhaps symbolism of fortune-telling by bones? The ram of Thor could be eaten at night and put together again, coming alive for the next morning's journey, as long as all the bones were returned, piled onto the animal skins on the floor, before Thor would swing his hammer and by lightning reignite life. One day, a young boy broke a bone, on the wicked advice of Loki, of course, resulting in a limp ram to Thor's raging anger. He planned to kill the boy, but agreed to take him as a servant, as punishment. But what was I to make of this jaw on the ground at my feet? What did the sharp tooth of a predator say of the equally sharp stab of emotions that bit into me the day before? Was I the one biting, or did I feel bitten? It's at moments like these I wish I read books on mystical topics, ancient wisdom of shamans, animal symbolism, numerology, anything. Instead, I was clueless, looking for clues. So, I began looking for the rest of the skeleton. One bone. Two bones. Three bones, found among and under thick layers of branches. Nothing became clear. No meaning, no answers, just bones, and me wandering around the forest floor, looking for more bones. I left the forest with four bones, not four questions, nor four answers, just bones and the sound of the wind howling, blowing snow across the road by the car while the electric line above hissed. But I had found some calm in the soundscape and at least I had attempted to deal with the problem in a different way, however ludicrous considering I was carrying bones from a forest. On Monday, I sent a photo of the bones to the Icelandic Natural History Institution 
Náttúrufræðistofnun Íslands, Ultra Research Institute. The results came back as dog. The scientist told me people have been burying their pets in the forests around the city for a long time. One large unregulated pet cemetery. Animals, pets. The search for symbolism began to sound silly. I began to feel silly, and my mystical search began to feel, to say the least, silly. Just as I began to imagine a possible curse by removing bones or the spirit of a vulnerable puppy inhabiting my soul, I called off the search. But the quest for answers in all matters of life continue, along with my quest for sounds. The process of listening on multiple and often unexpected levels leads to questions and answers. Thank you for listening to Insert Sound, and if you want to check out more content, please go to the Facebook page, Insert Sound, where I'll be sharing photos of some of the sites recorded and whatever else seems relevant. Otherwise, please subscribe to the podcast if you want to stay updated to new episodes, and if you happen to be heading to Apple Podcasts, please rate the show. I'm your host, Svavar Jonathanson, seeker of sounds, finder of dog bones. Bye-bye.